Buenas and half a day to our listeners on Guam and in the CNMI. It's now time for Total Health right here on Joy FM Radio, where your questions get answered by health professionals. If you have any health-related questions, we would love to hear from you. Call your questions and comments in at 472-1111 or text or WhatsApp 686-9999. If you're in the CNMI, please call 323-1113. Welcome everybody to Total Health. Half a day and welcome to Total Health. We are here today with Elena Teneva and, and she's an MP. She'll let you know what that means later on when she comes on. But our topic for today is a good one. I'm reading right here. It says gastrointestinal issues. Welcome, Elena, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Scott. Uh, actually, we are waiting for Dr. Uh, Julie Bryson. Uh, she's our one of our family medicine physicians and uh, that's the topic that she selected oh wow yes and because you know we do have many patients that come to our clinic and they say hey doctor my stomach is hurting or I have pain here or I have pain in my left side of the abdomen what is it what is it and so um, it's not one of the you know the easiest uh, systems to diagnose and to figure out what it is so it takes a lot of work on our side but if there are some advantages Advices that we can give to our uh, patients, to our listeners, uh, I'm more than happy to to give some insights. So not long ago, let's say maybe 30 years ago, we realized that actually our immune system, it is in the lymph nodes, it is in the lymph system, but it is also in our gut, which is incredible because if we are able to eat proper food, then it means we can actually enjoy a good health. So if we have health and if we, um, we will be happy and if we have happiness, then we'll be the richest people on earth. And so there is a way that we can do something about our own happiness. And of course, it is to be less unhealthy, actually to enjoy a great health. And that health many times starts with food. Yes, uh, you did hear me very well and uh, correctly. Our happiness many times comes through the stomach, right, Scott? People say that, that the correct. love of a man goes through the stomach. It, so it, it is true. And it is very important what, <laughs> what you eat. It is. Yes, because if you keep on uh, liking foods, indulging yourself with foods that not always be healthy for you, uh, you might not be so content and you might not be as happy always. That's right. Yes. We have to make that stomach happy or else we're going to have some issues. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly. Oh, well, um, I'm having Dr. Julie Bryson here. She just arrived. I will give some seconds uh, uh, so we can get right on point. Yes, very good. Hi, Dr. Bryson. Hi, how are you? We're very happy that you're here. All our listeners were waiting to hear more about this digestive uh, tract system and how we can help them, you know, to prevent some conditions that are preventable. And if they have some conditions, what can we do about them? Well, the, the GI tract, as I think you were just mentioning, is highly connected to everything in our body. In fact, some... Scientists have called it the second brain. Right. Because there are so many nerves, there's endocrine functions, it, it, it connects with everything in our body. So it's very, very important. Um, digestion is really important. Um, we're going to talk about two medical problems. I think it's easier if we could just focus on two because there's so many problems you can have <laughs> with the gut, right? That's true. So I think I hopefully picked the ones that are the most common 
problems with the gut. In fact, I found that one of them is truly the most common complaint that patients have coming into the medical system, and we'll get to that shortly. Okay. I'm curious. So first of all, um, I'm going to talk, I like to call this talk painlessly in and out. (laughs) So we're talking about what part the problems that occur going in and the problems occur coming out. And the most common thing that people talk about going in being a problem is they get reflux from things that they eat, esophageal reflux disease. And a lot of people call it heartburn. Now, the challenge with that is, is it really your heart or is it in your stomach and your esophagus? And a lot of times it's in the esophagus, but I do want to say at the very beginning as we talk about the symptoms, that if you have any of these symptoms, sometimes you do need to think about your heart. If you're having chest pain going up, don't just say, oh, it's just my heartburn. You might have a heart problem going on. So we don't want to ignore that issue, but we will focus on what actually happens with gastroesophageal reflux disease. Um, because it's a very preventable condition in most people. Not everybody, but most people. So when we eat, we swallow food. It goes down into that tube called the esophagus, and that carries it down into the stomach. But it has to pass through a few places, and one of the places it passes through is what I call the door. It's a little sphincter or a valve at the end of the esophagus moving into the stomach. Now, what that does, and a lot of people that are mechanical will understand this, the valve keeps things going in one direction, okay? And when you eat food, you really want it to go in one direction, right? When it goes the opposite direction, it's not so good, right? It doesn't taste the same anymore, right? (laughs) So, So we want it to go down and we want it to get inside. Once it goes past that little valve, we call the sphincter, the lower esophageal sphincter, it shouldn't come back up and the stomach can then put a lot of pressure on it and move around and start the digestion process. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I've just got too much acid, doc. Well, actually, acid is important for our stomachs. We need acid to start digesting the protein that we're eating. That's actually where your digest, actually your digestion starts in the mouth, but it, you get a lot more digestion going on in the stomach for the proteins. So it's a very important thing to have acid in there, but we really don't want acid coming up higher than the stomach. The stomach is actually made in such a way that the acid doesn't bother it usually, okay? But when it gets into the esophagus, the esophagus isn't really made for that. And when you get past a certain level, there's always going to be a little tiny bit leaking through, but when it gets past a certain level, it can become very uncomfortable and it can actually cause some damage. So this is a big problem for a lot of people. And and I say a lot of people because I would say probably right now 50 or 60% of my diabetic not much diabetic, but my adult patients actually are or have just taken something for reflux. And that's not counting all the people out there that are taking Tums and not telling me about it. So a lot of people have trouble with this. Um, So why does this happen? Well, for one thing, there's actually three things that could be going wrong. One is that your esophageal sphincter is supposed to be tight. It's supposed to keep things from going back up. But if it gets loosened up a little bit, things can kind of get back through. And there's a lot of pressure in the stomach when you're digesting and even when you're lying down at night. So when that pressure occurs, things can come up, okay? Um, Another one is if the stomach isn't moving so good and the stomach is getting filled up and not moving things out the other way, things get backed up and there could be a lot more pressure and that could cause more stress on that sphincter and 
stuff can come up. Okay, when we say stuff, we're mostly talking about digestive juices, but sometimes, of course, you can get food coming up too, and that can be a problem. And uh, so, so those are two of the bigger problems that occur now. And sometimes the nerves don't work so good, so so things don't open and shut the way they should. So there's kind of a mechanical problem. Sometimes you can have trouble because you're eating things that can be very irritating to the esophagus. Um, can you think of any examples? Oh, uh, I can't think about it. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about spicy? There, foods? like like hot pepper spice. Now some spices are fine, but the hot hot spices. They don't feel so good when they come back up, okay? Sometimes really acidic food. And a lot of people say, oh, acidic food. You're talking about orange juice. Well, yeah, orange juice is acidic. But people don't always realize that fatty foods are acidic. They are acidic foods, and so they can cause more trouble. Um, and they come back up, and they, they kind of visit you again. Um, so those are some of the problems. Why do people get this? Well, for one thing, as we get older, all of us, our sphincter loosens up just a little bit. Okay? It's going to happen to everybody as we get older. And you might notice as you get older that maybe after 40, you just don't seem to be able to eat the same things or the same amount you used to. Okay? Lying down, when you lie down and you're flat and you're having a problem already, you're probably going to have a little more chance of this because gravity helps you when you're upright. It kind of pulls things downwards. But when you lie down, there's a lot more opportunity for all of that gastric juice to come up. Right, and especially when you are a little bit overweight, it kind of presses a little bit more on the stomach. Yeah. But we'll continue after the break. Thank you. If you have a question, go ahead and call it in. If you're calling from Guam, call us at 671-472-1111. That's 671-472-1111. If you're in the CNMI, call us at 670-323-1113. That's 670-323-1113. You can send us a message via text, via WhatsApp, via signal at 671-686-9999. That's 671-686-9999. It's free from the CNMI. And if you're tuned in via Facebook, go ahead and... If you're tuned in via Facebook, go ahead and leave a message. We'll be right back after this break. took my son on a water park ride called The Storm. We had to walk a long way, but we finally made it to the top and climbed in. He was a little tentative, but I wasn't about to leave him. Once we entered the long tube of darkness, the screaming started. I yelled over the thunder in my son's voice, I'm here, buddy. I'm right here. I got you. Down we swirled through the inky blackness, spinning and splashing. Finally, daylight shone, and I saw my son's face, frightened but relieved for the ride to be over. And as we walked to our family, I thought about what a great life metaphor the storm is. It looks like so much fun until you're pulled down, darkness all around, and you feel out of control. The only comfort is to have someone bigger than you beside you saying, I'm here, buddy. I got you. Halfway back to our towns, my son looked up and said, do you think we could go back and do that again? Maybe you're in a dark place in life right now. At Joy FM, we encourage you to take heart. There's someone bigger than you available for the ride. Family Friendly Radio. JoyFMRadio.net. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, I did it. High five, dude. Uh, what did you do? I gained victory over Sin. He's number one. <laughs> what? Yeah, Tom faced Sin down like a trash-talking opponent and did the right thing. Oh, yeah, I am so cool that way. Hoorah! I am the tiger. Victory, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, not sinning is a contest of your willpower? What do you mean? What if avoiding sin is less about your ability to resist temptation and more about knowing that sin makes God sad? If you remember that, does it still seem like a contest? I guess not. Can I still keep the foam fingers? <laughs> Doing what we know is the right thing should always be about pleasing God. When we make it about our ability to resist sin, then it's like telling God that we don't need his help. We can do life on our own. Truth is, we can't. Words for the Walk on Joy FM, family-friendly radio. JoyFMRadio.net See, Joe Osmosi, and thanks for listening to Total Health on Joy FM. We want to hear from you. Call in with your health-related questions at 472-1111 in Guam or in the CNMI. The number to call is 323-1113. Text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. And now, back to the show. Hi, and welcome back to Total Health Live. My name is Rose Trina, and I'm here in the studio today with Dr. Julie Bryson and Elena Tanova, nurse practitioner, and we're talking about... GI issues, right? Gastrointestinal? Yes, and we were talking that uh, many times we experience that, especially if we're a little bit overweight, but there are also many other reasons why you would have uh, gastric reflux, right, uh, Dr. Yeah, Bison? there's a, there's other reasons too. Now, the overweight, you know, you can think that makes sense. If you have extra pressure from kind of a little extra weight on you pushing up, things are going to come up a little easier. Um Pregnancy, and it's not just because you get big in pregnancy, but the hormones of pregnancy make that sphincter loosen as well. So that's kind of hard to get around. That's kind of one of the things you have to be careful with what you eat when you're pregnant. Um, diabetics. Diabetics tend to have a lot more reflux than other people because with diabetes, particularly if the blood sugars are high and not well controlled, they damage your nerves and they cause trouble with the nervous system. And so the, the, that's where we talk about nerves moving the stomach and the intestines and things just don't move right, okay? So that's another problem. Diabetics tend to have a lot of reflux. Um, those are some of the classes of people that might have more trouble than others. And then there's some people just anatomically, they may have a little more trouble. But the majority of us can do something about our reflux problems, okay? And a lot of it, you probably have guessed, comes back to food, but not all of it has to do with food. In fact, some of the biggest causes of loosening up that sphincter, of making that little valve get loose and let the acids come up is tobacco, alcohol. Now, alcohol we do ingest, but tobacco we just smoke, but the nicotine actually affects the sphincter quite regularly. It's a big problem. Um, Caffeine. People don't realize that caffeine really is a culprit for this as well. It actually, all of these are chemicals that actually make that sphincter loosen. The other chemical that really seems to make a difference is fat. Mm. Fatty foods loosen that sphincter that, and let's think, let things open up a lot more. So you may be an older person and you may eat really, really healthfully, but you have, have that donut or you have that spicy food, not the spicy food, but the, the, the spicy food with the cheese and the oils and the meat and... Whoa, there goes the acid reflux that evening afterwards, okay? And what did it feel like? People describe it in different ways. Some people get a pain in their stomach that kind of moves up into their chest and it burns and it comes up. Sometimes they get a pain in their throat. Sometimes they get a 
a taste in their mouth that's kind of bad. Um, some people have it at night and don't realize it, and they wake up in the morning with bad breath. And it may be because of reflux, because they're do- it's happening while they're sleeping. Other people don't actually get all those symptoms. They just get a cough. And sometimes people think they're having asthma, and maybe the asthma is made a little worse by the reflux. So there's several different ways it can present. Some people get hoarse. Um, we have to watch that really closely to make sure there's no problems like that. Um, but at any rate, these are these are some of the things that we can do to. Oh, I, I forgot to mention one food that unfortunately I think I know what you're gonna say. I really like too much, <laughs> and it's really not good for reflux. Do you know what I'm gonna say? I know it's not good for many other things. It's too. chocolate, <laughs> and we love chocolate, but it, chocolate does not love us, and it does cause more reflux. So, what can we do about this? There's a number of things that we tell people that are having reflux. Oh, by the way, we can treat you with medication. It's true. There are medicines that do help, and some of the best of those are called proton pump inhibitors. They, I won't go into all the details, but they help to get the acid in the stomach down. But most, pretty much all of the medications do not close the door, and that's what we really need to do is to close the door, right? We need to get the sphincter to close. Most of them decrease the acid. Well, that sounds great, except we need our acid. We need acid to digest proteins, but we need it for some other things. The intestinal tract is one of the most important parts of our immune system. When we eat food, we can't help it. We get bacteria on everything. It just happens no matter how clean you are. You, you can actually make it better, but you can't keep away from bacteria. And when it gets on your food, something has to neutralize that bacteria. And the acid in the stomach is terrific for killing off some of that stuff, okay? We have actually found that people who take long-term medications that decrease the acid in their stomach are having some problems. One of the problems is that they can have a, a bacterial infection in their gut called Clostridium difficile, which causes diarrhea and can be quite serious in some people. Not, not everybody, but it can be a problem and it's certainly irritating. Some people get more pneumonia from having to, taking those medications too long and decreasing the acid. Another thing that our gut does is it absorbs things. And if you, take, if you decrease the acid, many times there's some problems with calcium absorption and people get more osteoporosis. So, and there's a number of other issues we're finding that with people that take long-term medications to decrease the acid in their stomach. So we'd like to find some natural ways of solving this problem. Okay. Right. There, there is a problem with, uh, you know, overuse of the medications and medication cannot fix it and actually tells the cell do not produce acid. And the cell is made to produce acid, right, in the stomach. So if you constantly go against the nature, your stomach is going to complain. Well, right? and eventually it may just override it. And then when you try to stop the medication, you really have a hard time because now you're actually producing more acid and it's harder than ever because the body's trying to get past that problem. So we want to close the door. We want to get that sphincter a little tighter. So obviously, I know most people can figure out some of the things we need to do. Um, certainly, the first things that need to go are the tobacco, the alcohol, and the caffeine, and probably the chocolate. <laughs> like it or not, if you're suffering with uh, reflux, yes, certainly you have to consider that. Yeah. yeah, I think those are things that are really important. Then, of course, the next step is to cut down on the fatty foods and really, really diminish that, the amount of those. Um, and where do we find fat? Well, we can find it in oils and fried food. Uh, now, the fat, by the way, that we have in our avocados and our nuts don't seem to cause as much trouble. Um, but then we also don't tend to overeat those usually. And the fat that's in other things, the cheeses that we eat, the, the, um, the meats, 
even you know, even even our healthy meats, like some people want to eat fish. Sometimes there's a little too much oil there for them, so we have to be really careful about that. And that can actually help. Now, there's some other things you can do as well. Some people do everything right with their diet, and they're still having some trouble. Um, we do want to eliminate the spicy foods. Um, it's better to try to eliminate some of the really acidic foods because part of the problem with this is once you have the acid up in your esophagus, it might be causing some irritation and an injury to the esophagus lining. And anything that is spicy or acidic is going to actually make that a little worse. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you fall down, you get a little road burn on your skin and anything acidic could actually make that hurt a whole lot more because it, the skin's kind of broken down. So the same thing in your esophagus. We want to avoid things that will irritate it more because then it will take longer to heal. And sometimes we will use the medications for a short time to cause healing for those areas that are wounded, okay? But we also want to consider some other things about when we eat and position. So when we eat late at night, we are much more likely to have trouble with this because digestion takes a while. You won't have digested by the time you go to bed. Um, the acids are still doing their job on the protein and everything else they need to do, and you're much more likely to have damaging gastroesophageal reflux. Okay, so not eating late at night. In fact, the recommendation is to not eat three hours before going to bed or before lying flat. Now, another thing is to eat a meal and just lie down just to, to take a rest, or you're lying down and watching TV. You really don't want to do that. After you eat a meal, you want to be upright for a good three hours afterwards, okay? Um, they've actually found, interestingly, that although soda isn't directly going to cause the, the reflux, it actually also increases the risk of having a little more trouble. So getting rid of carbonated drinks can actually help some. Um, and finally, for those people who are really struggling, we do recommend elevating the head of the bed about eight inches. Now, when I say that, when I say to elevate the head of the bed, I don't mean just elevate your head. You want to kind of get your back upright too because you don't want your neck crunched down all night long. You're going to start having some neck problems from that. So it's kind of a little difficult, but you find a way to make some kind of a little panel behind the, the mattress to kind of get the head of the bed up a little bit. Um, it's a little challenging, but it can really make a difference. Propping up with pillows can be okay, but again, you might get your neck in a position that that leaves you stiff for a little while, and that might not be fun. So these are some of the things that we can do to start working on preventing this. Uh, certainly. Thank you so much for those advices. Uh, what would you tell us, uh, Dr. Bryson, if we, for example, don't treat it, we just kind of uh, pretend it's not there, or we take sometimes now and there, take some medications over the counter now and there. Um, do you think there's some like negative consequences of having constantly a heartburn? There, there is, and, and there's several different things that can happen. I, I will be honest with you, most people don't just ignore it because they get really irritated by it. Um, but one of the things we have to be careful about is not taking too many over-the-counter medicines because that actually is worse than taking some of these prescription medicines. There can be some real side effects and imbalances when you're taking, say, tons of Tums or something. Um, take sometimes and once in a while, maybe, but on a regular basis can be a challenge. But there is a condition called Barrett's esophagus, which we think is related to constant damage in the esophagus. a little more common in men than in women, but it can occur in either. And that can lead to cancer. So we, they, once we find somebody has that, and the way to find that out is to get an endoscopy. Um, and we usually do endoscopies um, up, up where they take a tube and they put it down and look in your esophagus and your stomach. Um, you kind of make you real drowsy and sleepy so you don't wake up during that time. But they look inside and see things. And if they find Barrett's esophagus, it has to be followed very closely to make sure that it doesn't turn into cancer. 
Right, right. And you can also get a gastritis and ulcers. And bleeding. And bleeding. There are times when people get bleeding in their stomachs or their esophagus, which can be quite serious. Yeah. And especially, as you said, if we're taking over-the-counter medications like uh, non-steroidal analgesics, uh, we also can contribute to I that. didn't mention medications, and there's a number of medications that actually contribute. That's just one of many. Um, steroids, when people are on steroids, they have more trouble. Okay, So there's a number of things that can cause problems um, in medications, and we have to watch that carefully. Um, in fact, I think sometimes our over-the-counter medicines that we think are safe, maybe we have to be pretty cautious with those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we will continue more on the topic right after the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Total Health Live. If you have a question, go ahead and call it in. Call us at 671-472-1111. That's 671-472-1111. If you're calling from Guam in the CNMI, call us at 670-323-1113. That's 670-323-1113 in the CNMI. And if you have a question and want to send it to us via message, Send it to us via text, via WhatsApp, or via Signal at 671-686-9999. That's 671-686-9999. It's free from the CNMI. And if you're tuned in via Facebook, go ahead and leave a question in the comment section below or send it to us via Messenger, and we'll get back to you. Don't go anywhere. We're only halfway through the show. There will be more Total Health Live right after the break. Ten ways, Ten ways to love. To love. Listen, don't interrupt. You will never believe what happened today. Give, don't hold back. Of course, I'm sure. Answer, don't accuse. How can I help? Enjoy, don't complain. Daddy, I made you breakfast. How thoughtful. Forgive without punishing. Father, forgive them. Speak, but don't blame. How can we move forward? Pray, don't stop. Dear God. I hope you don't get tired of me. Share without acting. Am I the only one having a bad day? Trust completely. I know you'll take care of that. Promise and don't forget. You ready to go? Yeah. Love is a gift to be shared. It doesn't keep notes on who hurt you. Love gives when it would be easier to withhold. It's a personal acquaintance of imperfection. Love comes from God and he wants us to share it. 10 ways to show love. 10 great opportunities to share Jesus. Joy FM. Okay, people, listen up. Get the rabbits. What, 14 of them? 18? Man, they multiply like rabbits. We also need a turtle, a weasel, a baby deer, and two moose. Mooses. Meese. I can never remember. Places, people. Uh, critters. Okay, where's the star? Has anyone seen Biff Brinkley? Right here. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Okay. I think we're ready for the meadow scene with all the animals. What's my motivation? Motivation. You know, why will I be doing all that I'm doing in this scene? Oh, uh, you know, um, lots of animals. Yeah. And, uh, they're all in a meadow. I <laughs> got it. And you speak your lines. Great. But why? <sighs> when it comes to our life's production, our director has given us a motivation that gives us purpose and fulfillment. That motivation is love. When you understand his love for you, it's almost impossible not to pass it on. But why am I talking to animals in the meadow? Don't ask me, kid. Talk to the writer. From Joy FM. 
family-friendly radio, joyfmradio.net. Welcome back. You're listening to Total Health on Joy FM. Call in with your health-related questions to 472-1111 in Guam. If you live in the CNMI, we want to hear from you too. Call 323-1113 or text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. And now, here's more Total Health. Hi, and welcome back to Total Health Live. My name is Rose Trina, and I'm here in the studio today with Alana Tanava and Dr. Julie Bryson. Uh, And we're talking about GI issues. And I think right before we went to the break, we were actually talking about over-the-counter medications, right? Right, right. We were saying why they they are not always the best choice for us. And uh, Dr. Bryson was talking about painlessly in and out. And I guess once, once we get the food in, we don't want it out. But if there are some circumstances, this is the case with the gastric reflux, but in some circumstances, we really want it out. And, you know, life is very, very hard. And I have a friend, he says, life is hard. Sometimes going to the toilet is hard. You know, it can be that hard. And, uh, no, you know, we usually avoid the topic of constipation, but many do, people suffer from that. And uh, we don't know much how we can treat it, what we can do about it, and if there are any natural remedies that we can use. Because some people just say we go every third day to the toilet and that's normal for me. Is that normal, Dr. Bryson? No, not at all. (laughs) So, um, and constipation is... A bigger problem than people realize. In fact, I was surprised to find that it is one of the, it is the number one GI complaint that people come in to the doctor with all over the United States. And I can tell you it's here in Guam too. Um, although people don't always complain about it. Sometimes I have to ask them. But, but constipation is a big problem. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But it's interesting. Many, many years ago, there was a gentleman. He was a famous doctor. He was a young doctor, went over to Africa to, to work, um, did, did, did some work for people in a certain area, and was surprised. He was a surgeon. He was surprised to find that he wasn't doing very many surgeries for appendicitis or different abdominal problems that he'd seen a lot in England where he'd come from. And he began to study this and he began to realize that the the people he was taking care of, they had a very different diet. He was also surprised to find out, now maybe some people don't like to talk about this, but I'm going to be quite frank. He found out that they had very large stools and he was surprised because people in England did not. And he began to study that actually many of our diseases of the gut, um, things like diverticulitis, appendicitis, colon cancer, may be related to how much fiber is in our diet. And these people had very high fiber diets. They didn't eat um, they, they ate meat occasionally when they would go out and catch game, but it was pretty limited. And most of their food was grown off the land. So they had very high fiber. It wasn't processed. And this is where he, he actually he actually was famous for something else. He actually uh, had a cancer type of cancer named after him, which is kind of cool. But um, but he actually was more interested in getting people to eat more fiber. So he went around and taught that. And one of the things he said was, America is a constipated nation. If you pass small stools, you have to have large hospitals. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, it's very, very interesting, but it is a big problem for many people. And a big c- component of that Now, this isn't the only thing, but the big component is how much fiber we get in our diet. Now, fiber is the part of the food that does not completely break down when you eat. Um, There's what we call soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. Soluble fiber will kind of dissolve in water, but it's still there, okay? The insoluble fiber, kind of you think about eating vegetables and some of the harder parts of the vegetables that kind of go through, and those are so important, 
for keeping things moving. And when things don't move properly, there is there sometimes some damage in that colon in the latter part of your body, and it can be a real problem for you later. And that's where we get some of these diseases like possibly appendicitis and diverticulitis and maybe colon cancer very much related to that. Yeah. So so these are things we want to avoid, but plus we all want to feel better, right? So how much how much fiber do we need a day? I have an answer. You have an answer? I, yeah, I do. And, and I see, like, as the years pass by, the, this amount increases. First it was 20 grams, now 30 grams. Now we're talking about 40 grams plus, yeah, right? Yeah, probably. Now, 30 is kind of that minimum number that... They the people tell people because it's about as much as you can get people to eat, but people can actually eat more. And it, it takes a little bit of work. It takes some fruits and vegetables and beans on your plate every day. And that really does help a lot. Um, it's good to kind of go back and calculate sometimes how much fiber am I getting? It's kind of hard to do. We don't think about that when we eat. But the things that grow out of the ground all, pretty much all have fiber. What doesn't have fiber? What do we eat that doesn't have fiber? Well, obviously liquids, but there's something else. I think, let me see if I'm right, we eat a lot of white rice. Well, that doesn't have much fiber, but exactly. it still has a little bit. There's something that doesn't have any at all. Junk food? Well, it depends on what kind of junk food you're talking about. Oh, don't about. defend the junk food. <laughs> no, I'm not defending it at all, but I'm telling you, when it comes to nothing, yes. any type of animal that you eat, animals just don't have fiber. Yeah, That's, they have that, muscles. They, they're, made to not, they're not made to have fiber. That's a plant thing, okay? And... and cheese doesn't have fiber. Anything that comes from an animal is not going to have fiber in it because it's just not part of it, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that that is not going to help you if you're eating a lot of that. Or even what you might think is just a little bit and not getting enough of your vegetables and fruits and beans because you're using up all your calorie space with uh, with, with the animals. So, so those are things that make a difference. Now, um, there is something else, and I want to focus on the food a little more, but there is something else that makes a big difference, and I see it a lot here, and that is how much water we drink. Um, you can eat all the right stuff, and you can get lots of fiber, but if you don't have any water to mix it with, you might get a little concrete in there, okay? Because um, I actually have had patients who, I, young, usually young teenage boys who ate too much of something, like a pomegranate. They just sat, one guy ate sunflower seeds for hours, okay? It's just a teenage thing. And things didn't move for a very long time after that because they got a little bit too much fiber and nothing was moving through. That's not bad to have fiber. It's just you have to have the water to keep things moving. And I find particularly here in a warmer climate where people sweat a lot and need to get, drink more fluid, sometimes people don't keep up. We get busy with work. We don't pay attention to our drinking. And people get maybe four cups of water a day. I've had some patients tell me they drink two cups of water a day. Plus, they drink coffee and tea, and that actually makes them urinate more water out, so they're actually losing a little more that and way. And more dehydrated. And, they, and people get dehydrated. They don't feel terrible, but their bowel movements just don't happen regularly. Uh, most people will have one good bowel movement a day if they're eating plenty of fiber and getting plenty of water. So that's important. So what uh, are those like practical advices we can give our listeners? First, uh, instead of saying 30 grams of fiber, I'd like to say this. Get a servings of, serving of beans every day and try to get seven to nine servings of fruits and vegetables. When you eat anything with grains, and this is not easy, but try to get the whole grain. And what I mean by that isn't just that whole wheat bread that you can smash like an accordion, but you want something that actually has 
the fiber, the you can actually you actually have to chew on it. You know, something that actually has to be processed because that kind of fiber will keep things moving. Um, nuts have fiber. Um, actually, people don't realize this, but sweet potatoes have a lot of fiber. Taro and breadfruit have a lot of fiber. Even though they're starches, they have this high level of fiber. And fiber not only helps your bowel movements, they also help to keep the sugar that's going from your stomach into your blood. It helps it to go in a little slower so that you don't get a huge sugar surge for those people who are diabetic. And as well, it decreases the cholesterol. It does. So there's a lot of good things about fiber. Another thing for good advice is for those who do have diabetes to keep their blood sugars under control. Because another reason for constipation is diseases that damage nerves, and that would mostly include diabetes. It actually makes the nerves not work well. The gut doesn't move properly. Even if you eat the right things, sometimes it's hard to move things. Be careful with medications, um, narcotic medications, iron. And sometimes we have to take these, but iron, even when you were mentioning about the medicines like ibuprofen and naproxen, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories can all cause some constipation. So these are some of the things we have to watch and talk to our doctors about. Uh, we don't just stop the medicine, but we talk to them and say, is this something I need to be careful about? Finally, there's one other little bit of advice, and that is the old good it was a it was a term that people used to use. They talk about getting their morning constitutional. Do you know what the morning constitutional is? No. Well, it actually is a good walk in the morning, <laughs> and people would go for their walk every morning, and then they would go home and they would be off to the bathroom, and everything worked properly with the plumbing. And it was a particular concept with older people that older people would have their morning constitutional. You're saying that it will be better than the morning coffee. Just go for I a would morning think so. Actually, caffeine is constipating. I didn't even know that. That's pretty amazing. I looked that up. Cheese is one of the most constipating foods out there. It's very not for everybody, but for a lot of people, and I think particularly here, where a lot of people have lactose intolerance, it can't quite handle milk. Cheese is a little different than just plain milk, but it actually is constipating. So we need to watch those kind of things. Yeah. And actually, constipation is bad because you're kind of retaining the toxins for a longer time into That's your right. system. And this is why some people think that maybe colon cancer might be a little more prevalent with people that are not getting enough fiber. Yeah, yeah. I worked in Alaska, and in Alaska, you really, in the winter, there, there are no fruits and vegetables growing. It's ice, it's snow. And traditionally, people have lived on fish and seal, and they dry some stuff and keep it through the year. They dry their berries and stuff, but they're limited, and there is a lot more colon cancer there. So again, it's, it's these things, we can't always fix our environment, but we can make some choices with what we have. And many times, uh, this is uh, the argument I'm getting, oh, but you know, in Guam, until fruits and vegetables come, they spoil very quickly. But we still have a lot of fruits and vegetables. We are not limited. Well, and it's not hard to get beans. <laughs> and beans really help things to move. Beans are dried and they last a long time and they, ca- they help you with a lot of fiber. They do a lot of really good things for your body. So we do have some options. We have things we can do. And we certainly have water. And that helps too, <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> yes. And when people ask me, what type of beans? Like beans, I tell them, we're human beans. You know, we're, we're supposed, <laughs> we're meant to eat beans. Uh, so I tell them, those are the garbanzo beans, those are like your navy kidney beans, um, lentils, mango beans. Mango beans, them. yeah. Mango yes. beans are very popular, I think, and that works well, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So any type of beans you can get hold of. Uh, of course, ideally, if they're like uh, the ones that you have to boil them, soak them and boil them instead of like canned ones. But if you don't have anything, <laughs> beans is always the option. No jelly beans. No jelly beans, <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you so much. And we will continue with the GI issues, gastrointestinal issues after the break. 
You're listening to Total Health Live. It is now 5.45. We've only got about 15 minutes left of today's show. If you have a question and you want to call it in, call us on Guam at 671-472-1111. That's 671-472-1111 if you're calling from the CNMI, Saipan, Tinian, and Rhoda. Uh, call us at 670-323-1113. That's 670-323-1113. Send us a message via text, via WhatsApp, via Signal at 671-686-9999. That's 671-686-9999. It's free from the CNMI. You can also leave a question in the comment section below and we'll get back to you. Stay tuned. Total Health Live. We'll be right back after the break. Life is a series of choices that you get to make. Some seem small. Others are much bigger. Some don't seem to have any consequences, but others carry either risk or reward. God spent time defining both the risk and reward of many decisions that you make. Sometimes the details are ignored. His instructions are found in the Bible, and it's never been about how hard He can make life for you and everything to do with maximizing your performance, longevity, and satisfaction. But the choice, He leaves that to you. You could learn from the lessons he teaches, the lives of people you know, or you could learn the lesson on your own. That is a way to learn, but it hurts more and takes a while to heal. Because God teaches, that must mean that you can learn. Keep reading, keep listening, and make good choices count. That's what followers do. So, be a follower. Joy FM. We're covering a problem in Sal Belly Park involving a wolf and three pigs. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Run! The wolf has already demolished one home. Emergency personnel are on their way. Excuse me, Mr. Wolf. Yes? I noticed you just blew down yet another house in this neighborhood. What's it to you? Our audience wants to know why. Well, you see, my boys are wolf scouts. They tried to sell cookies to these pigs, but they didn't buy. Can you imagine anyone turning down a wolf? That does seem unthinkable. So, you decided to demolish their homes. Actually, I just wanted to talk to them. They didn't want to come to the door, and, well, I got angry. Wait, wait, you just want to talk? Anger. We all struggle with it. God's Word says stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. You're telling me! Explore more in Psalm 37.8. Joy FM. Family-friendly radio. JoyFMRadio.net And we're back with more Total Health. Give us a call with your medical questions. Number to call in Guam is 472-1111. If you're in the seat of mind, the number to call is 323-1113. Or you can text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. Now back to the program. Hello and welcome back to Total Health Live. My name is Rose Trina. Uh, we have 
just a little over 10 minutes left of today's show, so we'll go ahead and jump right into it. Yes, meanwhile, we got two questions from our listeners, and one is slightly unrelated to the topic, so I'm going to quickly, um, you know, um, address it, and it's, it is says, uh, what is the cure for the PTSD? I wish there is an easy answer to that question. I, I, I wish there is one thing I can point out and say, look, this is the cure for the PTSD. But nowadays we have a discipline that we call it a post-traumatic growth, uh, how you can grow out of every trauma you're facing with. And we talk more about that. We talk more about emotional health every second Wednesday of the month. Um, if you're uh, able to listen to our radio show at that time, please, you're welcome. And we do talk about post-traumatic growth. But the second question is really good and very relevant. It says, if a person has a heart condition, is it safe to take times for heartburn? Dr. Bryson, what would you say about that? Well, first of all, if there's a heart condition, we don't want to confuse the heartburn with chest pain. Okay, so first of all, what I would do is to say, talk to your doctor. I probably wouldn't. It's not that Tums are unsafe for you, but they're not the best thing for you. It would be nice to get that heartburn under control, first with lifestyle, and if that's not successful, at least for a while with a medication, okay? But probably not Tums, because again, Tums is not something we want to take a lot. So I would work with your doctor, but remember, if you feel chest pain, and by the way, if you're a diabetic, a lot of diabetics have heart attacks that start with just stomach pain. So we have to be careful and you're feeling something and you know you've got a history of heart disease, let's get it checked out. Go to the hospital. I know it's not real, a lot of fun, but get that EKG and get have the doctor look at you and make sure you're okay. Um, and again, talk to your own doctor about those Tums and about what you're taking so that they can get you on something that will be ideal for your body. I hope that answers the question yes, a little bit. Yes, yeah. certainly. Yeah. yeah, many people have that question, and uh, it's not a very easy, straightforward answer. Uh, you will need to right. have some workup for us to figure out what it is. But thank you for the question. Um, we were talking about constipation and talking about, again, painlessly in and out. But sometimes the food comes quite faster than we <laughs> expect. <laughs> you know, many times I have patients and, you know, I diagnose them with rotavirus. And I claim that the rotavirus comes from the island of Rota, which is not true, uh, obviously. <laughs> but we do see a lot of, you know, gastrointestinal issues and a lot of diarrhea. Um, tell us a little bit more about that, and especially how we, can we help some of our kids that have constant diarrhea? Well, diarrhea is a, a big problem and can be caused by lots of different things, and it does make some difference about age. Um, going to the question about children, I want to be very careful about this. Um, when Actually, diarrhea is in most parts of the world in what we might call the less, maybe the less... Um, affluent countries in the world is has been the number one killer of children from infectious disease, okay? And what we've tried to make available in many countries is something called oral rehydration solution because babies that get diarrhea many times can become dehydrated very quickly and not, die not from the infection but from the dehydration. Um, if uh, In this part of the world, we have things like Pedialyte. We've got all sorts of things that are a little easier. We've got medical care at hand. But one of the number one rules for babies that get diarrhea is if you're breastfeeding, keep breastfeeding if the baby will take it. It's really the best thing you can do for diarrhea. Um, the second thing is oral rehydration solution. And here, that would probably be Pedialyte. And we do have doctors, if the child's starting to look dehydrated, they're starting to not make tears, you come see the doctor. Now, when it comes to older people... Um, 
there are some good things. And I'm going to ask you to maybe explain this a little bit. Some people are using charcoal, and it does seem to help sometimes. Now, we don't want to just ignore a problem if you're really sick and just take charcoal. But there are times when you know you've got a bug and you've got a virus and you're having some trouble with diarrhea. Charcoal can be very useful. Can you say anything about that? Um, what I can say is that every time when I go on a mission trip and I get into the, <laughs> same, <laughs> the same problem, this is the way to go. You know, charcoal can certainly help you detoxify your body. It's like getting a real charcoal into your body and, and uh, even filter everything that goes through it. It, se- it seems to be helpful for a lot of things. It doesn't help everything. Now, another thing that can be very helpful if people don't realize is the same remedy for constipation is I, the remedy for diarrhea. Are you going to say that eating fiber would help it diarrhea? Helps diarrhea. So eating more. Now, of course, there are some types of fruits that some people just get diarrhea from. I probably wouldn't move to those right away. But eating more fiber, vegetables, and things like that will actually help diarrhea. So it is, again, the food that we eat. It's not like the medication we will have to take for diarrhea that are actually going to help us. Right. And the majority of time when you have diarrhea, it's usually an infectious problem. It's usually viral. Sometimes it's even bacterial, but the recommendation is usually not to treat those, to let them get out of your system, um, which is coming to another subject. It's probably better in most cases not to take something like Imodium that kind of slows everything down because sometimes there can be serious consequences. You want to get that out, but you also do want to use something like charcoal or fiber or something like that that will help. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because many people come to the clinic and say, just give me some Imodium, just give me some medication so this diarrhea can stop. But actually, we don't want, you know, the toxins to be retained in the body, especially if there is a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, of course, is the other side of it. What's really dangerous about diarrhea can be dehydration, and you want to be able to hydrate. Um, and I was going to say with the babies, um, when you're hydrating, sometimes it's just one teaspoon at a time every five minutes that keeps them from going over the edge. It can be a real, if they're not willing to drink um, right. that's very that can be very helpful yeah and if you have a nausea at the same time like a sip of water like once in a while that can still give you some hydration better than none yeah and and nausea and vomiting don't tend to lose as much fluid as diarrhea does people get real worried about vomiting but that diarrhea is much you're much more likely to lose more fluid that way but if it's going on for too long you need, again need to come and see the doctor because sometimes you're not just losing water. You're losing some electrolytes, some things like sodium and potassium, and it's going to be hard for you to know. So we can we, we can help with that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I'll ask you, we have four, uh, five more uh, minutes uh, to the end of the show, but I will ask you about a diagnosis that is not very popular. Actually, every time when I diagnose somebody with it, they're like, what's that? But it's quite prevalent. It is very, very prevalent on the island, and it is the diverticulitis. Mm. Many times when people, you know, don't have this fiber-rich diet, and they eat a lot of their fatty foods along with some caffeine, along with some junk food, what we would call it, they develop those small pockets into the, you know, in the intestines that can get inflamed. And when that happens, then, of course, it's considered very painful. (laughs) It's considered like, I really, at this point, I really need to see a doctor. Um, What would you tell us? Like, how can we prevent that? And once we have it, what can we do about it? Well, and first of all, it's important to know you've got these little, like she said, little pockets, right? Um, They're little tiny areas where the colon is kind of pouching outward in a little skinny little thing that pouches outwards. And the problem there is sometimes little things can get stuck in there. Um, and there's inflammation, and actually they get little tiny microscopic holes that allow the 
the bacteria in the colon to get into the cavity around the colon, which is which can be dangerous. That causes an infection. It can become serious. Usually we catch it pretty early because people have pain and we get them on medicine to help them. Um, in general, though, the way to prevent, again, is increasing the fiber in the diet. They used to tell people, oh, you know, don't eat... And they would list all these fiber foods. Don't eat nuts and popcorn and those kind of things will get stuck and cause problems. And they now know that increasing your fiber actually helps diverticulitis more. Maybe not right while you're in the middle of it. Sometimes you need a little bit of bowel rest during that time. But in general, to prevent these inflammatory episodes with with uh, problems in that area. When, when stool moves through quickly through the colon, you don't tend to have as much of this problem. And things will move quickly when there's a right amount of fiber, the right amount of water, and the right amount of activity, and your nerves are working well on your colon. So would you recommend at times for inflammation when you, you're really struggling with GI issues that you may take a little bit of break, like some short time of fasting? Um, we'll well, go well into, if yeah. you're having the inflammation, many times people do go on a liquid diet for a while so they can get, get kind of get past that original part. And many of them will tell you, but when they eat, your, when you eat, ever you eat, and even when you don't eat, you get your gut moves in these waves called peristalsis, and that can be quite painful when you're having diverticulitis. So uh, we can blame it a lot on the food, but uh, are there any cases that we actually inherit those conditions from our parents? So you know that phrase is that what is that? Um, th- basically, what that that inheritance or genetics loads the gun. Yes, but, but uh, your the lifestyle, lifestyle pulls, pulls the, the trigger. trigger. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yes, yes, definitely, there are some genetic tendencies for certain things, just as we know that there's a genetic tendency for diabetes. And remember, diabetes is highly connected to all these conditions we're talking about, because when the gut doesn't move well, we can't just blame the food. It's the nervous system not working well because the sugars have been high and caused damage. So so we, there is that genetic component. There's no question about it. There's a genetic component for colon cancer to some degree. Right. But there are things that we can do to work to prevent it. There are some people with really high risk for some of these things. And sometimes they do everything they can and it's not quite enough but but I think most of us know in our hearts that we probably have a little step in one direction that we can make that will make things a little better for us right Thank you so much, Dr. Bryson. That was so informative, and we learned so much from you. Of course, uh, we will finish with a Bible verse, and Bible is full of advices how we can take care of the temple, you know, that God has made in us. And it says, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy a good health, right? This is the purpose of God. God wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be happy, and that all may go well with you, and as your soul is getting along well. So our soul is our body and our spirit, and that's why we need to take care of them. But our body is mainly healthy because of the food we consume and the exercises we do. So thank you so much. Uh, Stay tuned uh, for our Total Health next Wednesday at the same time. Thank you, Dr. Bryson and Elena for today. And thank you as well to all our listeners. Total Health Live will be back again next week, Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in again and we'll see you soon. Be sure to check with your doctors before making any sudden life changes discussed today. Total Health is brought to you in partnership with Guam 7-Day Adventist Clinic, where health is their mission. We look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. Thank you and Sejuus Masi for listening to Total Health right here on Joy FM.